Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Tigers Talk Rugby. Before we get started, go take a look at our website, tigerstalkprod.com. That's T-I-G-E-R-S-T-A-L-K-P-R-O-D.com. Here you can listen to old episodes, read our blog, and buy our merch. The link will also be in the description. And in addition to that, go ahead and follow us on Instagram for podcasts and rugby news, which is at Tigers Talk Rugby. Now, without further ado. I'm Ethan Richards. I'm Beckett Rice. And I'm CJ Bakel. So for today's episode, we have two very special guests, CJ Hussman and Guy Hagen, both of Imagine Rugby. And also, Guy is the director of youth development for MLR. So both of y'all, we really appreciate you coming on the ca- uh, to the podcast. Um, before we get started, could you both elaborate a little bit about what you do with like Imagine Rugby and a little bit about your role, maybe starting with Guy? Yeah, so thanks for having us. Um, so I'm the director of youth development for the MLR. Um, been there since, you know, 2000, uh, 2020, 21. And what we're doing is we're working with uh, the YHS USA Rugby, World Rugby on identifying strategies to grow the youth game in the United States and in Canada. Uh, and so I've, as part of that, we've developed Imagine Rugby, and that is the 51C3 arm of the MLR that's being used to help drive these programs forward. Hi, uh, my name is CJ Hussman. Uh, yeah, I started working with Legion, uh, Legion MLR team about a year ago. Um, just doing some uh, front office operations um, and hiring. Um, and uh, they uh, they brought a proposal across my desk for rookie rugby and asked me to help out with it. So started helping out with the proposal writing across all proposals for Imagine, including collegiate, um, academy, rugby, as well as uh, the rookie rugby and youth space um, and club. Um, and uh, uh, since then, I've submitted the proposals for them and started on the execution of the Imagine program, really focused on the youth and the rookie, bro- rookie rugby program specifically. Awesome. Yeah, we're glad to have you both again. Uh, it's been like real awesome for us, especially because like a couple weeks ago for our listeners, like if you remember, we did an episode where we talked about like like high school rugby, youth rugby in our area and and being in South Carolina and all the questions we had along with it like what's going on like and and so we uh reached out um and now we've got this wonderful episode coming along so I'm really happy to have y'all thanks for having us so uh one of the big questions to kind of kick it off and uh give a good idea for our listeners um you'd already mentioned that uh Imagine Rugby is that uh 501c3 arm for the MLR as well um and it's also has that partnership with USA Rugby and USA Youth and High School Rugby, as well as like the support from World Rugby. So one of our big questions was like, how did this partnership come about? How was it initiated? And and what was that like history to get this in, in place? Sure. So when USA Rugby came out of the bankruptcy, as you know, uh, YHS, which is USA Youth and High School Rugby, was born. And what they did was they they worked with all of the SYROs to create an organization to provide more direct oversight of the youth game in the United States. So it was, it offloaded that responsibility in large part from USA rugby to more of a, more of a localized oversight. So the states, the state organizations are responsible for their own competitions and their own oversight. The role of YHS is really to provide value to the states 
and we'll talk about that later. But one of the things we did was Major League Rugby reached out to YHS and we realized that we needed to work together to develop a strategic plan to identify what we called growth initiatives that we need to focus on, you know, leveraging the, the, the SROs, all the, you know, the volunteer army that exists out there in every state, the YHS uh, infrastructure, and then the MLR uh, reach as far as marketing and logistics and, and things like that to identify what we can work on together. So we we created this partnership, this, this strategic plan uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, we created Imagine Rugby to be the, the 501c3 arm so that we could create a funding mechanism uh, for potential sponsors for World Rugby. And as that conversation developed and grew, uh, we realized that, especially with the Ricky Rugby program, which CJ will talk to, um, which is owned by USA Rugby, um, with the World Cup coming, there was these connection points between USA Rugby, World Rugby, YHS, and MLR. And so we've done that. Uh, we've recognized that. We've decided to work together, put some programs in place um, to to drive the the game at the youth level, and that's how that's how it started. Yeah, and, and the story that I that I like to tell when when we bring it about is is you know all these owners that had come together and, and purchased these teams and are trying to grow a sport that that had had didn't have a large following inside of the United States and and they really went for the, this gold star and bringing home the World Cup games, but they knew that in order to attain the World Cup games and bring those to the United States, they had to actually show interest or they had to actually grow grassroots as well, right? That that, that not only benefited um, the idea of bringing the biggest rugby event in the world to the United States, but also the bent brings the fans to their own seats. So so the story is, is that, you know, along with the, this, this unachievable feat of getting the World Cup was this achievable feat of growing grassroots. So they combined them both together um, into kind of a, a singular plan. Um, at that particular point in time and, and uh, have extended it forward with, you know, Imagine Rugby and Rookie Rugby. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I know, like, awesome. one of the big things we always talk about is, like, like eight years from now, the people that you'll see playing in the World Cup for the U.S. are hopefully, you know, <laughs> like, the, the 8 to 10 to 12 to 14 age group or whatever, like, taking over the mantle for the U.S.A., you know, like that's what we always talked about. So like having those rookie rugby initiatives tied in and, and having that a part of the greater plan, you know, it's awesome. No, absolutely. I think we have a couple of decks where we, we state the same, it's the same kids that we're teaching, you know, or, or introducing rugby to NP class or, are going to be the kids playing in the world cup. Now, you know, we've been, you know, I know that the, the pathway to, to get to playing at USA teams a bit longer from PE class introduction, but yeah, it, it <laughs> yeah. is that though. I mean, you know, these programs are meant for more than just introduction. Therefore your, your, your middle school kids and, you know, guys got a lot of experience with the high school and collegiate. So the youth programming surrounding imagine is that, and the same kids that we're, we're introducing to this program, one or two of those could be on that team in 2031 or 2033 playing in the world cup um, on our own pitches though, which is pretty neat. Yeah, for sure. And that's definitely something we touched on um, is like um, how we do have, I think we have a lot of good athletes and we have several players um, that do spend a lot of time, but we, we, I think we discussed it and said that maybe the average age of like a collegiate rugby player in the U S is probably about 18. Cause I know when we played at Clemson, probably half the team was, um, guys who had just started playing when they got to college and the other half was maybe they started in high school or something. So that's awesome 
that trying to get them started younger and, and keep them on. Yeah, and CJ touched on something um, about rugby awareness, right? So there's, there's what we're trying to do, and, and, and CJ will talk on this, is rookie rugby is an awareness program, right? You go to a school, you see kids on the playground, you roll out a basketball, they'll know what to do with it. You throw out a football, they'll know what to do with it. You throw out a rugby ball, they don't even know what it is, yeah. right? We got to yeah. fix that. Um, and so rookie rugby is a way to get a rugby ball in the hands of all the kids when they're little, let them know it's an it's a it's an opportunity, a, a potential sport they can play. They've heard it, they've thrown it around, they've run, you know, they've, you know, played sharks and minnows and, and relay races, those kinds of things with a rugby ball in their hands. So they know what it is. Now, whether they play or not, that's that's really not the point, at, you know, at that level. But what we're doing is we're, we've created a pathway from getting the kids in the playgrounds through the system into local youth rugby programs. And that's when they start going up the pathway of player development. So there's an awareness campaign. There's a player development campaign, right? And so you got to have both. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and so I, I know we, we've talked about this um, a little bit already, um, but I think it's a good segue point is that uh, we we saw when we were looking re doing trying to do some research on Imagine Rugby that uh, the key one of the main goals is to increase youth rugby participation in North America to uh, to one million active youth uh, by twenty thirty in support of the twenty thirty one and twenty thirty three World Cups. Um, so this is obviously I think an ambitious goal, but uh, nothing great ever happened without some ambition. Um, so you guys have already talked a little bit about uh, rookie rugby and stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, this goal, maybe uh, how it was decided upon and how um, Imagine Rugby is going to uh, work towards achieving this in addition to uh, rookie rugby, as you've already discussed a little bit and get involved with the youth. Yeah, I'll, I'll start off and hopefully Guy guy will come in with color. He's re really good with that. Um, and so it is a really ambitious goal, but but I don't think it's any more ambitious than the goal of rookie rugby and introducing rugby to the, the rookie rugby program to 50,000 schools by 2031 either. So so we're, we're biting off, up, off both chunks. One is going to be the result of achieving the 50,000 uh, schools with rookie rugby and all the other um, programs associated to it. Um, so, so, but first, uh, I think imagine rugby, first of all, just to, to provide some, some context of that imagine rugby, um, rookie rugby is just part of it, right? That's, that's the awareness program that introduces rugby to kids through PE class, but also, also after school programs. And we also want to get flag leagues going, but there's also the club step, right? Which I'm imagining, uh, maybe everybody in the, on this call, except for me has done right the, the youth and high school club step where you actually get into the contact uh, part of the sport where you actually start developing the skills is, is uh guide mentioned but then we also add on you know the uh the college aspect of it and then we also add on um the academy so so it's actually that umbrella covering every step on the integrated pathway to either being a pro um, being a uh, usa academy or usa team eagle team player or just being a fan, a ref, uh, an administrator, what, whatever part of that that um, uh, rugby ecosystem you want. So it does cover all that and it makes that that goal a little bit more achievable. But specifically on the rookie rugby front, first of all, we've got great partners, right? So we've got World Rugby and USA Rugby supporting us. World Rugby is really helping us out on the funding end um, as well as promotion. 
But on the ground, we've got the MLR teams as well as youth and high school um, state SYROs as well as the local clubs. And they're actually the ones picking up the ball and bag kits, learning the, the programming and then going to the schools and teaching the teachers and the kids the programming. So, so that's bringing it about. We're also bringing an event structure to, to the programming. So we're, we're at the end of each semester, we want at least one flag fest event where every school that we've gone and trained, we invite them to actually go to this flag fest event, participate in it. And, and in areas where we actually have an MLR team, we're bringing pro, pro players also. So the kids get to play rugby. These little two, you know, three foot to four foot tall kids are playing rugby with six foot and seven foot tall athletes that weigh five and ten times their weight but you're creating a larger than life experience that these kids are going to carry with them all the way but we're not just focusing on the kids we know that in any rugby ecosystem you've got to focus on more than just the kids you have to have the people to implement the programming so we're we're actually spending time with the teachers as well and making sure that we have a really good handoff of the programming to them and then offering them avenues into the rugby ecosystem itself whether it be coaching whether it be, you know, helping out with administration of the program, whether it's just going to a game. Hey, we'll give you a free ticket. Come to the game and enjoy it and be a fan. So we're doing those types of things. And then I think uh, a guy hit on also earlier that it's not just about this PE implementation. And, and by the way, that the program's free for all schools. So that that's the, that's the hook that, that gets their attention. But it's everything else we do that keeps them working it but the, the equipment is free as well as the implementation in the schools we'll, we'll send people to the schools and we'll do all that for free but that's just one step in this kind of mini pathway that we have inside of this youth awareness program the next step is the after school right in order for the kids to to really start enjoying the rugby they're not going to get there off of playing it you know a couple of weeks a semester inside of pe so we want to make sure that they've got an immediate after school step to go to and whether that's by creating it with mlr team and creating a flag flag kind of a rugby after school just as a clinic or whether we're partnering with a ymca or a boys and girls club and introducing the programming to their to their kind of bundle of programming that they can select from and, and doing a, a rugby uh, kind of an after school program there. We want to make sure that those kids have that immediate step and filling that space between 3.30 and 5.30 so that they can, you know, take the take their rugby experience to that next level. And then finally, we, we actually want to get to the point where we're starting to establish flag league play. Um, and whether that's done with partnerships, we know that there's a lot of athletic partnerships with the NFL, um, you know, they do some things out there. Um, there's a lot of after school uh, programs, nonprofit that are nationwide. I think after school all stars is a great one up in L.A. that that do a lot of programming. I know that they've got they do some in Atlanta as well. I'm sure other places on the East Coast um, where we can plug in rugby as, a, as an alternative to the already, you know, core four or five sports that are already offering. We're, we're now creating that flag ecosystem for these kids to play in. And then at any point in that pathway, they can branch off into contact YHS club rugby and continue their journey there, or they can stay on the safe flag path, or they can move on to a different sport if they want. Rugby's is phenomenal platform sport for all the kids. So we think that with all of those elements, those, those kind of three work streams of we're going to do it in schools, we're going to go after school. We want to get a league system complementing it with events and really focusing on, you know, this great experience for the kids, we're going to be able to achieve that million. In fact, we think we're going to be able to get past it.
I'm sorry. Awesome. That was a, that's a lot to, to, to take in. Yeah, it's, it's great though. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of great information there and that's, that's great to hear. Um, they're like getting it into the schools and getting the teachers involved and, and that, you know, it's awesome to hear all that. Yeah. There's a couple points, a couple, sorry, Ethan, there's a couple points there that, that CJ touched on. That I want to, I want to stress a bit. So mm -hmm. in getting into the schools, one of the, you know, Ricky Ruggie's been around for a while, right? It was, yeah. it's been in USA for, you know, over a decade. What we've done is, uh, based on teacher feedback, the last version of rookie rugby that was uh, pre-COVID had, it was mapped to the, the USA, USA shape PE standards, the national PE standards. And what we're doing is we're actually mapping, mapping them to the individual state PE standards. So teachers in South Carolina or Virginia or Maryland or California can go to their particular state map and and say okay um you know the 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 sharks and minnows does this and it's actually the hand-eye coordination for third graders standard four or whatever it is and so a teacher can actually take rugby now and actually use it to meet their metrics that they have to teach for the year right so it's another option for teachers to use as cj mentioned it's free equipment we've got support it's the, the curriculum's all online and one thing i want to stress is we're working with the sro's and with YHS, we're not working against them. So when we, it's important that when we go into a school district, South Carolina, for example, we're going to be in contact with Rugby South Carolina. So we can say, all right, where are your clubs? What, where's the best value for this? Do we, what, what districts do we target first? And so that when these kids go through this pathway, like CJ suggested, those clubs are ready to take those kids in once they get there. Or the SRO can say, well, we're going to, we're going to launch flag programming. We want that flag rugby part of our programs. Well, that's fine. So it's, this, this is like really the first opportunity we've had where we're trying to get everybody in the same, around the same table, have the same conversation and, and bringing the best value to the local environment. Because what works in South Carolina, that you talked about last time, doesn't necessarily work in Texas or Southern California or Wisconsin because it's a different environment. There's different levels of infrastructure, right? So we're trying to tailor all this to, to uh, have maximum impact in those areas. Yeah, I love, I love to hear that. I mean, like, especially because you know, each of us, like, like m for me specifically, I like played in middle school when South Carolina had middle school. And it was like, it was at the time it was Chapin, Irmo, Fort Mill up near Charlotte area. And then, um, Wando, uh, that were all like basically hosting. I, I hope I'm not forgetting a middle school team. I'd feel kind of bad for that program, but, um, all were like hosting middle school teams and they were all clubs that like, you went from middle school to high school and a lot of those players went on to play in at, at a collegiate level, at least if not, like they didn't go play at a collegiate level. They were at least playing at men's teams. Like I know um, from Chapin, just like in the time that I was at Chapin, I think it was like 10 or 12 players ended up playing at Clemson. And, and then like a couple went to Arkansas state, a few went to USC, like, like, and that was, we were kind of in that schema of like players starting in middle school, you know, like we were trying to get to that point and we got it for like two or three years, but it never really sustained. I know CJ and Beckett have a little bit different stories because they both, you know, lived internationally for a little while of their life. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, it's awesome to hear. And one of the big things I, I would like to tie back to that, like CJ had mentioned um, with his big, big point as well was like he, he called rugby like a good foundation sport for learning like a lot of skills that are relevant to a lot of other sports like I grew up 
I know I don't look at it anymore, but I grew up a multi-sport athlete. Like I played, you know, tennis, lacrosse, rugby, like all at the same time. Uh, and so like, for me, that was one of those things where like, I was taking skills that I learned from those sports as well and bringing it to rugby or other way around. And, and I just, I don't know, I think that's like a really good point and a really great selling point that I think not enough people, you know, keep together. Like we had wrestlers on our team that would come in and they were some of the best technique players we had. Double A takedown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so one of the growth in initiatives that we saw was to provide funding to 20 new high school programs. And so far we've seen that 14 have received grants. So can you tell us a little bit more about this process and how Imagine Rugby will keep up with these schools to like ensure continuity and success? Yeah, that's that's a that's a great question because let me go back up a step. When we talked about the growth initiatives that we identified between YHS and MLR, we we broke it up into certain chunks, right? And if you look at the growth initiatives page on the Imagine website, there's a list there. Some of those are being driven by YHS almost exclusively. Some are being worked on together between us and YHS and some some we're driving. Like for instance, we're driving rookie rugby with YHS support and USA support. The, the high school initiative that you mentioned, that's a YHS program. Mm -hmm. Okay, so YHS uh, is working with the U.S. Rugby Foundation, the Brian Wizards team in San Diego. Uh, that foundation is funding that grant program. Okay, and so if if there's a, a new high school team or a group that wants to start a high school team, they can either go to the, that foundation's page or the YHS page and see the process for submitting a grant. What we're doing on this is we're promoting it. We're making people aware of it. And at, when we go into areas, like right now we're doing a, uh, we're working with New Orleans, the NOLA Gold on a strategy for growing the game in their area. We're making sure those schools know that program exists. So if they want to go for it, or we can help them actually write the grant or, or connect the dots. So this is an example of rowing in the same direction that we've never really had before, uh, holistically. It's it's We're not funding it. We're not really driving it or implementing it, but we're promoting it and pointing people to it. So it's just a way of uh, working together in the community. You know, it's one of those growth initiatives that we identified, but YHS realized that they could they could do that piece while we could focus on other pieces and still move forward together. So to answer your question, hmm. yes, it is it is um, designed to be in three, uh, three, three uh, waves. They've already done the first two. 14 schools have been funded. They're going to open up the third arm of funding, I believe, in late August. So if there's any high schools that want to go after that funding, go to the YHS page or go to the U.S. Foundation page, um, and there's the grant process is there. Awesome. I know um, the three of us have joked about once we're uh, done with, like, I'm done with school, CJ's done with school, like, ended up in the same place and trying to start up a high school team together. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's... But it is nice to see that there's the like these avenues. It is it's a lot of work. Like I know my I mean, my dad helped like with Chapin rugby um, when I was growing up, like before I was, you know, even really at the point of playing on a team like they were having to go through, like getting all the jerseys, getting all the practice balls, getting fields set up and and having those fields regularly. I know that was a problem we saw all the time we had played on probably the worst field in our town because I mean, actually that, that field literally got condemned. So it's like, it's was the worst <laughs> field in the town. I remember <laughs> that one. 
No, yeah. We, yeah. We that part of the program we we you know we we took the time to research and and talk to people really was our research and and to learn about the experiences they had and that was kind of the idea behind this after school and and really the 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 the, uh, the, the flag league kind of partnerships was the idea that there's people that ha that have certain aspects of what we need figured out right and partnerships mm -hmm. like think about the YMCA and boys and girls club they have facilities they generally have members. They usually have fields or already have access to fields and throwing parks and rec as well, which is really huge. Um, so, so they're bringing a large part of, of the chunk of what, of the problem that we need to solve already. And then when we partner with them, we're providing them the benefit of added programming, unique programming, and some, a partnership where we're intending to continue to grow in the future. And then when you think about the growth of it all, YMCA's and Boys and Girls Clubs and other nonprofits really focus on your your underserved communities, which are your inner cities and all those other rural towns that have no representation throughout the state. Right. They're not part of the larger metropolitan areas. That's where you find these particular offices by partnering with them. We're now getting the spread across the entire state um, and it helps us to achieve the 50,000 goal. But really, at the end of the day, it helps us create something really great for youth, right? Provide them an option of this phenomenal game that lends to not only being a, an athlete and healthier, but makes you a better student. And that that's, there's a, a key point in there. Um, as you mentioned in the last podcast, Ethan, that you, know, you didn't have time, you don't really have time to, to dedicate to the, to rugby at the moment. Rugby is being run right now with, with a few exceptions by an army of volunteers, right? I was a volunteer for 20 years before I got an MLR. We've, we were all there. What CJ's design and what, what this is intended to do is to leverage the infrastructure that exists to our advantage. If you partner with the YMCA, as CJ just said, you have now have access to their staff, their fields. We give them equipment, the YMCA's, boys and girls clubs, the schools. I mean, if you, and if you start looking a little further, get into the high schools, get under the athletic directors, uh, get into the, uh, get the women into the NCAA, get that across the finish line, community colleges, get that in the NJCAA. These pro these the infrastructure is there, and, and rugby's always built a parallel system outside of that, with yeah. with dedicated but few uh, folks that can actually run it. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to break that down and say, all right, South Carolina, you know the SYRO, let's leverage the infrastructure that exists so you guys can focus on coach development, referee development, you know all these these other things that are important to the growth of the game, and let's leverage what's there already. And 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 not spend our time and our energy and our money on stuff that exists that we just haven't used. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I know. Uh, one thing that like I think actually CJ had mentioned in the email conversation when we were trying to get all this set up was that like his experience with rugby was very like on the newer end. Like he wasn't a player. His background was not that way. And like he's somebody who's coming in to help you know build the game, create those connections. Like grow the game beyond those dedicated rugby hands as well. Like, I think, like, I know, I think my first sentence in the following email, it was one of the first sentences was like, I think it's amazing that we have people who are not like originally a part, part of rugby helping do that work just because like, I mean, I love the rugby family. I love the rugby community, but like when you know the rugby community, like it is a very tight knit circle that is like, when you're reaching outside that rugby circle, like you don't like the people who sometimes haven't heard of the sport before. So it's like, it, like 
that's one thing that, you know, hearing more people who are non-rugby people who are partaking in the efforts of growing the game in the way that, you know, CJ has been, uh, I like to kind of further what you're saying is like, I don't know. I think that's an amazing like aspect as well. And, and now like going in and leveraging other organizations and trying to build those relationships and build those programs with them is like that whole level, just like even expand, like expansive to a, a, a great scale, I guess is, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> right. We're, we're really trying to get away from replicating things people are already doing. We want to be complimentary supportive and agnostic. Right. So, so we're here to help um, and grow and we've got this sliver of what we're doing to offer and let, let us be supportive if we can and complimentary. You did discuss a little bit about um, getting it into the community college. And I know we've, we've kind of discussed at length about getting it into um, high school and middle school and, and getting into the PE programs and uh, YMCA and that stuff. Um, so with the, the uh, getting it involved with the community college athletic association, um, to potentially have rugby added as, as a varsity sport at that level for men and women. Um, could you like a, expand a little bit on what the process is like of getting those uh, associations involved, getting those schools involved and how that's going? Yeah, sure. So historically USA rugby has been, has kind of missed that community colleges slot. They've focused on the universities and above and the high schools and below the exception of Iowa central. I think Nova for the, on the girls side, um, there's not very much rugby being played at the community colleges nationwide. There's some in Southern California, but that was a, that's a piece that we missed. And if you look at the data, there's a massive drop off of, of kids who graduate high school to play high school rugby that don't continue after they graduate. They don't go to university. They go to a school that doesn't have a rugby program. Um, and their only option is to join a men's team. Well, I, when I was 19 and, you know, I wasn't going to be that playing with 27, 30 year old guys and getting hammered and. I can't, you can't go to the pubs. You, you know, they're talking about their mortgages and all that <laughs> stuff. It's just not a good fit culturally. These kids aren't, they're, they're not yeah. emotionally, just... mentally, physically mature enough to make that leap. That's a huge yeah. leap, right? That's so so they quit. They quit. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry. I was laughing because the experience <laughs> we had playing like the, for when we came in as freshmen with Clemson, the league where we were in, we're playing with like Atlanta Old White, Renegades, yeah, like all of the it. men's sides. Where like I'm lining up against like a retired Falcons, what was it, tight end who was playing? He was a le- old... former Atlanta Falcon left tackle and yeah. retired, okay. not but like four yeah. months before that. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so it's like I'm lined up against this guy. I'm like, I think I was literally like 18 at the time, and I was like, hmm. Like, I'm not, this is yeah. not, this doesn't <laughs> correlate. I'm going to need to change my shorts after this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we, 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 we can't have that. Right. We, we gotta, we gotta bridge that gap. And so the, again, using the infrastructure that exists to our advantage, rather than creating a U20 league, it starts getting into community colleges. Right. So we reached out to the NJCAA, the NWAC, which is based in the Pacific Northwest and the three C2A, which is California, all three of which, are open to the idea of adding rugby to their varsity program. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, the N- NJCAA and the NWAC surveyed their schools and there just wasn't enough interest mm. to pursue it at this time. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah. it's been mothballed in the NJCAA and NWAC. The three C2A though, um, especially in Southern California, there's, there's a handful of teams that are playing 
and there's a handful of teams that want to start playing both men's and women's rugby uh, in Southern California. The idea there is um, create the template. You know, what's what what needs do the athletic directors need uh, from rugby? There's a couple of advantages from the school's perspective. It is an, a way to diversify their student population. Right. It, you can reach into communities that you may not be able to reach into international students, um, you know, students of color in certain areas, Pacific Islander, for example. You know, they want to diversify their their campus and create a, a good holistic environment for their students. Um, international students and out of state students pay higher tuition. So there's the financial angle to it. The students uh, benefits are. It's a carrot on the end of a stick. If you played high school rugby, you don't want to go to the four year school. Maybe you can't afford it. Maybe you don't have the grades for it. Go to community college. Right. Enroll in, in nine hours and play rugby in the fall. Well, you did that. Well, once you roll in, you know, six more hours in the spring. Well, before you know it, you're halfway to an associate's degree. You're one more year older, a year more mature. You know, that second year, you know, after two years, you have your associates, you can transfer to Clemson or, you know, wherever. And now you're ready to make that leap to the four-year schools, right? So yeah. that's the advantage to the students. Um, and then from the MLR perspective, it's it's a way to keep these kids engaged. Great, create, create rugby awareness, keep them engaged. It also creates an entry point for the wrestlers that, but you know, wrestled in high school that aren't going to wrestle college, they're going to community college. Well, now there's an entry point to into rugby, right? Uh, we've all seen it at the university level. You know, the the booth on the the hmm. the club day out there on the quad. You know, come play rugby. Well, this well, does that two that. years earlier, and that's how I got started. You know, at nineteen yeah. college. Yeah. Um, but this starts this, and and if we do this right, you can create a community college, make those connections to the high school programs, and say, hey, this is an option for you. And then on the other side, make those connections to universities. So, so what they do in Southern California is, you know, they play they play a couple of games amongst themselves at community college, and then they'll go play UCLA B side, or they'll go play USC or Arizona State. Well, that that's a recruiting trip, right? Those college coaches are playing them because they're looking at those kids, and then four or five kids every year transfer to Arizona State, transfer to UCLA, transfer to USC, right? So it just it creates this pathway. Especially on the on the women's side, people always forget about this. Women's rugby is an NCAA sport. It's not a championship level sport, but it's an NCAA sport. We're not quite the, we don't have critical mass yet. You create that pathway from girls' high school teams to community colleges. You can create uh, a West Coast near a conference or a Texas near a conference or whatever, and get get the the league over forty and get them get full NCAA status. There's all these pathways that we can build together. If we just connect high schools to community colleges to universities and create that pathway for those students and they don't know it, but it's actually an education pathway, right? It keeps them involved. It keeps them, it keeps them involved in the schools, getting associates. Then you can go into the universities or go into a trade or whatever you want to do, but it keeps them engaged. They're not, they're not realizing they, they, they can't handle the men's league. So they just quit. It, it bridges that gap. So that's why it's, it's such an important part that I think we've overlooked for a long time. Um, Iowa Central, nailed it i mean they're doing fantastic um yeah <laughs> yeah but, but but again if we can get enough schools that those universities or the community college will look at we'll just say njcaa um if you can create a couple of competitive pockets a northeast pocket and say a southeast pocket they will consider that for varsity sport well now you can use their weight rooms and their team buses and their budgets and their and their streaming channels and there are scholarship pathways and their connections to universities, all for these rugby kids, right? We've never had that before. 
So that's why I say getting into the infrastructure of these organizations is important because they've already designed it. The Americans are great at college sports, the way they run it, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's use that to our advantage. <laughs> no um, I'm kidding. And, and um, you know, let's, let's get it in the system. So I, I can talk for hours on that, but um, it's pretty exciting that this opportunity is starting to, to show itself up and that the fact that the organizations are open to it, right? They're not saying no, they're saying not yet. That's a completely different answer. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, that that's awesome to hear that, to, that that's uh, an opportunity for a pathway there for, for players to not just move up to the next, to a, a better level um, for rugby, but also like, as you said, like educate, it's an education uh, growth pathway as well. Um, and, and one thing you touched on, you sort of touched on it a little bit that um, getting involved with those uh, colleges, you can use their weight rooms and their facilities and their streaming um, and, and get more exposure. And I think one thing that we've seen a lot of, and that I, I know I use it and I, and I know CJ and Ethan use it is the rugby network. I think it's awesome that it's not, it's not only to be able to watch professional rugby in America there for free, um, but also to be able to, and easily accessible, but also to be able to watch, you know, now there's, there's Texas and Ohio and Wisconsin high school championships there. There's, um, there's college uh, playoffs there for the nationals. Um, and maybe one day we'll see um, uh, the community college championships. And we, we also, of course, you know, we, we, of course, see MLR academies there. So I think that's great to see that and see how that will help exposure for like, because I feel like a lot of kids then they're like, oh, my buddies um, who are playing on my high, the high school team here, they were on um, this, they were, they were streamed live and we could all watch them. Maybe I should join in and I can get there and I can get to the next level and I could be seen as well. So that's, that's awesome. Um, and then that feeds in, I think, of course, to uh, the MLR Academy system, which guy, I know you could talk a lot about that um, and how, and cause I, I think we all enjoy seeing uh, the teams play each other. I know Atlanta and uh, DC, yeah, Atlanta and DC, they opened their match with, with a Academy game and that was awesome. Yeah. So a couple of things there, the, the rugby network, um, has been fantastic. Uh, YHS signed a deal with them to be their exclusive string partner um, or official string partner. You know, MLR academies are on there. Um, every SRO can have their state championship on there. So it's not like it's not like it's just rugby Texas and it's going to be Southern California and everybody else has just have to watch. Right. There's an opportunity there for every single state to have their championship game on there. And the way to do that is reach out to YHS. Um, there's there's logistics in there. There's production costs in there. But if you have the facility and and the the broadcast standards there, the rugby network will stream it. So if you want to do a South Carolina high school championship, that can be arranged and get on the rugby network. Um, so that's it. You know, they've been they've been fantastic partners in growing the game. They want to become the home of North American rugby. There's some there's a the Canadian championships are going on right now. The 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 coast to coast, uh, they have their college games on there as well. So. Um, it's exciting. And then with the academies, what we're trying to do there is working with YHS, uh, and the high school leagues we're, we, the we're, the reason we have these games right now is because we wanted to wait till after the high school championships. It was in Elkhart, Indiana. And really before the, the, the U18 is going tour in July. So we had, you know, San Diego played at Utah, Atlanta played in DC. And next week there's, there's Houston, New York, they're at New England with a couple other um, other teams up there, Florida and um, 
Myra Lions. And so they're creating a tournament. Saturday games will be on the Rugby Network. It's a great chance for extended family to see the kids play. It's a chance for the college coaches to see the kids play. Um, it just raises the level of exposure. Uh, people talk about it, start to want to be involved with it. How do we get our schools in that? How do we get to that point? And that just creates this, this uh, demand for more professional programming, more professional logistics, and it just grows the game uh, across the board. Yeah, I love that like the rugby network exists, especially because it's like it's just like free access, make an account, go watch all of this content, go see like all the stuff. And and I know that's like been a, a like a sales point for some people. They're like, oh, like I don't really want to get the pay for the package or whatever. And I'm like, well, I mean, this is free. Like, yeah. like even with the rugby network, it's like you you have the one one game or two games a week that end up on on you know live TV, but it's always like I mean, you got plenty of games on here you can watch for free. Like, and I know like that free point has been a real, real easy sell to get some of my friends who are like, oh yeah, rugby's kind of cool. And I'm like, well, if you like it enough to continue watching it with me, here's some free rugby we can watch together. <laughs> right. Plus the survey to maybe get tickets to the championship game. True. That's true. <laughs> Just yeah, so that, was, that, was a, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I did like didn't know that I think is awesome that you mentioned earlier was that like any state could get their high school games like set up to to be on the rugby network that was a piece of information I don't know if I knew at all actually I think I it, like we were talking about how great it was that there was some of them on there like last time we had talked about it so yeah, yeah we, so we need the way that the way that process works is um if there's a high school organization that wants to be on the rugby network is work with their SYRO, right? So if it's a, a league or, you know, connect with your SRO and then they would connect with YHS, um, Giovanni and, and David. And what they do basically is they, uh, they look at the, the timing, the logistics of it. There are broadcast minimum standards, right? It's gotta be, you know, two cameras and a certain level of Wi-Fi and those kinds of things. So that helps identify the venue, right? Mm -hmm. We're not going to play the state championship out in the field, where there's no power. Um, yeah, not, not, to, not to bad math out because I play the vast majority of my career out in the field in places with no power. But um, oh, yeah, you know, a high school stadium, for example, on a high school football field, right? They've got the infrastructure where we can send the signal to the to, through the Wi Fi to the rugby network. Um, but yeah, there's the if, if anyone wants to look into that, that's the pathway. Talk to the SRO and then the SRO will talk to YHS and we'll, hmm. we'll see if we can get on the schedule for next year. Let's say I know South Carolina for a while there was using some of the college football stadiums that like and were connected to some of the college clubs. Because I remember when I was in middle school and we were doing the middle school state championship and the high school state championship. I think it was at the Citadel football field. Yeah. The Citadel's like they hosted the whole event at the Citadel. I think I was in like seventh grade. So, I mean, it's been a while, but I know like it's happened in the past. Or yeah, yeah. E even Ethan with, like, I remember the 2018 state championship game. It was played at Bishop England, my, like my yeah. high school. Oh, that's and right. Yeah. And they already have that, in, like, the, like that technology that already set up so that you could have that two camera system and the Wi-Fi and everything like that. So that field was, yeah, that was the best field I've ever played on in my life. Oh my yeah. gosh, that field I, was just pure pillows. 
No, they was great playing on that. I remember because we hosted the entire playoffs there. So I got to play two matches on the home, my home field to uh, finish up my high school career. So that was awesome. Nice. With a good, we're we're good over crowd. here all scheming. We're, we're like, yeah. how can we get this to South Carolina? Yeah, you know, that's our thought process. <laughs> I don't know if that's what you, you that's the underlying tone of what we're, what we're talking that's about. Fine. Here. That's fine. Let's get on. <laughs> so our last question to wrap it up with you guys is what are we going to expect for the future? Like what are some potential like additions or even changes that we could see in the near future? So change, changes, changes, what can they expect in the future as far as changes and new programming? Um, so I'd go back and say that if we look at the, the, the way we have rugby set up in this country, right? We have the YHS, which is the youth speaking of youth, right? The governing body. We have the state organizations. What I would say is to what's going to evolve in the local states is really going to vary based on what the infrastructure is in those spaces, right? So, Ethan, you mentioned a couple weeks ago that you didn't have time to get involved at this this point. You're a student finishing up some stuff. What I would say is get involved. You don't have to be a head coach. You don't have to be a referee. There are clubs out there who need someone to design their logo. They need someone to design the flyer for them. They need someone to run touch on a Saturday on the U10 game. You know, there's lots of things that we can all do that takes a little bit of time that if we do this all collectively, we'll make a massive impact. So that that's one thing I want to stress is that, you know, people think, well, I, I, I like youth rugby. I want to stay involved. Why isn't it growing? Why, why is nothing happening? What's no one's doing anything. It's because people think they have to do hundred percent commitment to, to get involved and you don't. Um, talk to your local youth team, talk to your high school team. What, what skills do you have that you can offer to them? Again, designing a flyer for their recruitment day or whatever it is an hour. Um, that is going to really push the game forward, I think, quickly, very quickly on a local level, right? Um, programming change that you'll see in the future, I think what's going to happen is I think you're going to see um, everything grow. I would love to see the women's rugby get across the threshold for 40 teams on the NCAA, which then if you look at it, how do you get there? The community college, the high schools, the youth. Um, I think uh, I think some folks try to start at the high school level to start new teams. You mentioned that before. What we found in, in Southern California was – we realized the, the key part was the U8s. You, it's a great entry point. It's a great way to segue from the Ricky Rugby program into the flag leagues. You know, you get 40 kids playing U8s. They're just running around, you know, learning how to throw a ball and not fall over at that point, right? <laughs> it's an easy way for parents to learn it. It's an easy way to teach it. It's an easy way to coach it. And then in two years, those kids become U10s and you just backfill the U8s. And then they become U12s and you backfill the U8s. Then they're 14s, you backfill the U8s. And before you know it, you have 20 kids hitting your freshman high school every single year, it's got seven or eight years of experience, oh. right? Now you're creating a massive uh, a player pool for these high school teams. What we've seen in my experience is people will start out at high school and every year they got to teach 10 freshmen how to throw the ball left-handed. It's exhausting, right? Teach that when they're 10. And then you, when they get to high school, you can teach them how to one through through one attack, right? You can teach them that second level stuff. You don't have to teach the basics because they've already learned it. Right. So um, at, I'm answering a question you didn't ask, um, CJ, but um, that's how I think we grow this thing is get people involved at whatever level they can and focus younger. You know, focus, go as low as you can as, as the age grades, build a, you know, build a, a, a foundation that's a mile wide 
as far as you you know, any any kid can play U8 U10 rugby, right? Just touch, flag, intro to tackle, whatever it is you have in your state. And then just backfill that and let it grow over time. It's a long play, right? People want to go to high schools right away. But I can tell you, I've seen it out here. Those high schools fade in and out when they have a kid who's gotten high school and their dad's the coach and that kid graduates, the team folds. Mm-hmm. There's nobody coming in behind them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that we got to get over that. We got to stop ringing the wheel every four years. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Then I'd say if we're able to to pull off what 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 we're trying to and and uh, all of what what Guy was <clears throat> speaking towards, you know that that's going to account for significant growth, right? So so first of all, there's going to be a greater presence of rugby everywhere, right? So so we should be seeing it more often on TV rather than using a PE class to introduce rugby. Maybe a kid does wake up on a Saturday, gets done watching cartoons, and a rugby game comes on instead of it just being football or baseball or now soccer, and you know as well. Um, I think we're more competitive on a world stage, right? We we've now started working inside of major metropolitan areas out um, not not only just the 11 or, or the 12 MLR cities, but we're growing to 2025 MLR cities, but we're, we're creating partnerships to really get into those underserved communities. So we're getting a better, better uh, level of athlete and more competition on the world stage. I think we're going to see a, a level of flag presence being greater in the future. I think flag sports itself is going to, you're going to see that more, uh, more on the stage of a primary stage with youth sports um, where the youth can either decide to take an avenue and stick with flag or to move into more competitive permanent kind of pathway um, as well. And and one of the things that when we, we talk about vision and I've given lots of presentations and sometimes I start with the kind of a vision statement, right? What's going to look like in 2031 and 33. I'm really hoping that, by 2031, I can drive by one high school in the United States and take a look at their field and take a picture, and it's the rugby posts instead of the football posts. And that's a vision mm-hmm. that I kind of kind of like um, and would like to see that happening. But I think that these are all the changes, some of the changes you're going to see. And also, one thing I didn't mention is, is there's an underlying thing that we talk about as experiences, right? So I think that you're going to see us see the sport at all levels focused more on events and tournaments. Um, Those things that draw not only a a lot of attention from fans, but also for the players and the coaches, the people involved that really love the competitive aspect of the sport, those tournaments. And and when you create a a, a tournament event, I think those are going to be big and and a huge part of the success of the growth. Awesome. Yeah. I, the idea of driving past a high school and seeing the rugby posts on a field instead of a football field. Oh, you know, that would make <laughs> me so happy. <laughs> but uh, I just, while we start to wrap it up, I know we've been going a while. We're so happy to have you all here and, and have gotten to do this episode. I do want to give you all both one more like moment. If y'all feel like you want to say anything else that we haven't fully covered or haven't covered in a way that you feel like, you want to get that extra point in, please. Uh, I want to provide this moment for y'all. If y'all got anything else. I, I've got w- one thing I want to say. Um, you were talking about starting the, starting the kids as young as possible and letting them grow in the rugby space as they, as they learn in the game basics when they're young, you know, strategies when they get older, that U 20 team that USA put out against Canada a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. that 
from my understanding is that's really the first wave of kids who started when they were five and six and seven years old. Right. I, I know several of those kids personally um, in, in Southern California, those kids have been playing for a long time. And that's the kind of potential that we can un unlock, especially as we start doing, you know, the, the urban rugby experience, which is, which is a group of, of, um, you know, ISF and, and Memphis inner city and these, and these inner city teams are starting to create some pretty impressive programming to bring new kids into the sport younger and younger and younger. And that U20 team, um, I, I'm pretty excited to see how those kids go when they go to Africa in, in a couple of weeks. Cause I think that that team is really our first really glimpse into what we can do when we do this right. So I'm pretty excited for those guys. That's awesome because um, we, we are, we're pretty excited about that too. We've been following it a little bit. We had an episode about them. We actually have um, a teammate, Cole Frank, that was um, part of the extended squad for the U20s there. So that's you know, great to see him uh, be out there and, yeah. Yeah, they're looking good. Mm -hmm. CJ, did cool. you have any last points? No, just I think I think Guy wrapped it up. And just thanks to our partners who've been really supportive, World Rugby, USA Rugby, youth and high school have been huge, you know, the backbone to, to the, the, you know, the on-the-ground movement and implementing at the schools as well as uh, major league organization and all the major league uh, franchises. A big thanks to them and thanks to all you guys for, for having us on and helping us get the word out. Of course, we're so happy to have had y'all. Like, I, I know, like, I've said that a couple times. Like, it makes us really excited to, you know, be able to just reach out to y'all over, a, like, a, a quick message on the website and have that, like, email conversation and be here with y'all having this conversation, getting to answer some of those questions we ha even had a couple weeks ago that we know are, like, pretty common questions. And, and so, like, it's great to have y'all. So... Once again, Thanks. thank you so much for joining us. Uh, and I will pass it on to RCJ to hmm. throw out some of the games for this weekend for people to look out for. So every year when we come around this period of time, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the MLR playoffs. So CJ and Guy, this is normally where I talk about the upcoming games. So, again, playoffs coming up this weekend, starting on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern on at Fox Sports 2 is Seattle Seawolves versus Houston Sabercats in Seattle. Um, this, again, this is the grudge match between Beckett and I, our two favorite teams. <laughs> so, this Seattle don't lose at home, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm crossing my fingers that we can get, actually get through this. Um, but then on Sunday, also at 6 p.m. Eastern on FS2, we have New York Ironworkers versus Old Glory DC in New York. So that being said, go watch some rugby. <laughs>